Tune in to the Post-Victory Formation Podcast every Wednesday to hear Kyle and I's in-depth thoughts about the latest news around the league. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Post-Victory Formation Podcast. Mike and Kyle here, and we are 15 days away from the NFL Draft by the time this episode has dropped to you guys. And you've heard us talking about it for a couple of weeks where Mike and I were going to go through the first round with who we think the teams will be drafting this upcoming draft. And, you know, you got established guys like Mel Kuyper and Todd McShay, but unlike them, Mike and I don't have lots of hair coloring or blow-dried hair or constant yelling each other's names during segments. So I'd like to think that this is going to add a little more value than listening to those guys on your television. Mike, would you would you agree with that assessment? Oh, I'm going to go ahead and say yes. Okay. I don't have to cut your throat through the mic. Yes, two of the industry's best going through their picks for the first round of the NFL draft this week, we will be doing picks one through 10. So we'll be going from Carolina all the way through the Eagles. The next week we'll do 11 through 21 and the final week we'll do 22 through 31. Uh, again, just as a reminder, like no dingus, there's 32 picks uh, due to the tampering investigation led by the NFL against the Miami dolphins when they were trying to acquire Tom Brady, they have forfeited their first round pick for this year. So they do not have a first rounder. All right, Mike, that's the lead up to it. First on the clock, Carolina Panthers. Panthers without hesitation. Where are they taking? Without without hesitation, with conviction, they're taking CJ Stroud right off the bat. Quarterback. They don't have a quarterback. They're looking rough at quarterback. They haven't been able to get anything straight. You got an awesome Ohio State quarterback. They've been able to produce them. He's had two great years, 2021 and 2022. Good completion ratings. Average is about 69 to 70% completion rating. Um, Threw for 3,600 yards uh, the 2022 season. 2021 season threw for 4,400 yards. Almost the same touchdowns per year. Only 12 interceptions in the last two years. I mean, just outstanding performance. I've got C.J. Stroud going first pick to the Carolina Panthers. Well, Mike, that didn't take long for us to disagree. Because at number one, I have the Carolina Panthers selecting quarterback from Alabama, Bryce Young. Uh, Bryce Young, six-footer, 194 pounds, played three, started two years at Alabama, 2021-2022, uh, also played a minute in 2020. And this guy, he, he was a winner. He had a 67% completion percentage in 21, dipped a little bit in 22, 65%. But the one thing that really stands out with Bryce is a lot of yardage, 4,821, uh, 3,322. And 
his decision making. This uh, this guy, Mike, throughout his college career, he had a total of seventy nine touchdowns, twelve interceptions. Whoa! That's not bad. And being as blessed as he was to play at Alabama, you know that you're always going to have a solid offensive line in front of you. You're going to have a solid receiving core, both of which he had. And at this point, he's kind of, you kind of look at Alabama as like an NFL light team because they get, Saban has so many NFL prospects every year that I think him going into Carolina, he's got an established coaching staff around him. He's going to start. There's going to be some bumps in the road. The receiving core is not is not what he's used to coming from Alabama. I think he's going to have a little bit of a regression when it comes to his receiving core. But I think with Frank Wright and crew, I think by the end of the season, you'll really start to see Bryce come into his own and he'll be the number one pick overall. What was his touchdowns that you had said? He had 79 touchdowns. 12 interceptions. See, and this is why I like CJ Stroud also. Just in the two years, he's at 85 touchdowns and only 12 interceptions. And the majority the Panthers, of those, the majority of those came this past season, though, I believe. No. Majority of them came in 2021 season. He had 44 nope. in the pre and then 41 in the 2022 season. I'm 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 talking interceptions. Oh, interceptions. Nope, six and six. Okay, so it felt like he had a lot more last year. It, yeah, I, I can see that, but I think with what the Panthers need, they might not be the most passing yards, but he's still getting the ball down the field. Average is almost ten yards a pass. Good red zone mindset. The Panthers don't really have the running back set anymore. They need someone smart at the twenty yard line to be able to decide what's going to happen. And I think you get that intelligence with C.J. Stroud. That's why I have him in my number one spot. Okay, well, I guess I'll kind of leapfrog you then because at number two, the Houston Texans, I have C.J. Stroud. And I like Stroud for the reasons you mentioned. I think he is you know, that guy at the 20-yard line. You don't have to worry about him making a poor decision. Barring. He has a strong pocket to stand in. Now, Stroud, we've seen him scramble with the ball, but a lot of the times he does his damage in the pocket. And if he's got a clean pocket around you, around him, he'll pick you apart all game. Now, when things start to get a little off script, that's when CJ kind of shows a little bit of weakness and starts to get a little loose with the ball. Now, I think there's a clear divide between Bryce and CJ myself. I think Bryce is the clear number one and I think CJ's number two Um, and CJ he's, he's barring ahead the number two over the number three quarterback I have in this draft, but I could see him having a tough year down in Houston. If I had to speculate, I'm going to guess they're going to roll out Davis Mills to start the season and we might see CJ a couple games in. But Houston's a young team, and I don't know if they want to throw CJ to the Wolves right right off the bat. So I have Bryce Young as my number two. And the reason why 
he's going to go to the Texans is because they don't have the Panthers have somebody. I think they want to get CJ Stroud. I think he's the better option. But as I said, the Panthers don't have that intelligence right off the bat. Panthers don't have anything down at the 20 yard line. And I think that's why they're going to get him. But I think overall, with how you spoke on, you know, he's at a good line, everything like this. He's going to go down to the Texans. I don't think they're going to be running out Davis Mills. I think we're going to see CJ Stroud go out there. You and, think he's a day one starter? Oh, he's a day one starter. Bryce Young starting day one down in Houston. So with that being said, we're going to hop off of these two guys and we're going to go into Kyle, I'll let you start out with the number three pick, Cardinals. Okay. With the number three overall pick, cue the draft music. The Arizona Cardinals select edge rusher Will Anderson from Alabama. Mike, this Will Anderson is arguably the best player in this draft. Uh, you look at his past two years. Let's let's fast forward back to the 2021 season when Aiden Hutchinson got the call to go to New York for the Heisman Trophy ceremony. Will Anderson outperformed Aiden in every statistical category and yet was a snub for the Heisman. So he kind of took that chip on his shoulder into this past season and just had an incredible season with Alabama. He had a 4-6-40. He had a 1-6, 10-yard split. So just an explosive guy off the ball. Uh, 52 tackles on the season. Uh, 10 and a half tackles for loss with seven sacks. All-American player. All-SEC Defensive Player of the Year. All-team, all-first-team uh, SEC honors. Mike, he's doing his damage in the SEC, which I kind of talked about with Bryce Young, where he was uh, SEC produces a lot of NFL talent. And yet Will Anderson was statistically outperforming every other edge in college football. Overall, 35 and a half tackles for loss and 17 and a half sacks in his 102 starts at Alabama. Just some incredible numbers. And you look at what Arizona is losing this season. They lost J.J. Watt, obviously, for retirement, to retirement. They lost Zach Allen. Both of those guys, that's, they combined for 18 sacks last year. So that's a big, you know, big chunk of productivity that you're losing. And with Jonathan Gannon coming in as their head coach, being the defensive, uh, defensive coordinator from the Eagles Super Bowl team, I feel like that this is kind of a no-brainer that he's going to just want to get the best defensive guy off the board. And it just so happens he's the best player on the board, um, best player in the draft in my mind. So I look for Will Anderson going to Alabama. Or I'm sorry, going to Arizona. So he's already at Alabama, but you're, you're, you're wrong again. I know it's going to be hard to admit all these failures here coming up, but we got Mr. Christian Gonzalez from Oregon is going to be getting picked up third pick by the Cardinals. They need a cornerback. Patrick Peterson is a lonely individual. You can get around Patrick Peterson. Quarterbacks can 
pick him out of the crowd. Wide receivers can get around him. They need a cornerback. And with four interceptions coming last year, dude, average yards 118. Solo tackles 35, assisted tackles 16. He was a crazy good cornerback last year for the Ducks. And Cardinals are going to be picking him up for this number three. I could see the Cardinals getting him, but that would be a situation where the Cardinals would would trade down because I don't even have Christian Gonzalez in my top 10. You're a flawed individual, Kyle. Well, that's your opinion, Mike. My opinion's gospel because because go go ahead for the Colts. We have Mr. Will was it Levis? Levis? Will Levis, yes, quarterback out of Kentucky. Quarterback out of Kentucky, yes, sir. Headed to the Colts, six three, two hundred thirty two pounds. Does not have tiny hands for everybody that's curious, and um, he's done good. The interceptions are up there. 23 in the last two years. He's got 25 total. He doesn't have the best yards, but I think all around quarterback that you're going to be able to build around and help out. I don't think he's necessarily a day one right off the rip starter. Mid-season, three, four games in. Let's see how he is with practice. You know, completion percentage, average is 66. He's a good deep ball threat. I can see him going to the Colts. The only reason I have him in the top 10 is because there's so many teams dying. Dying for a quarterback. And... The Colts are one of those teams, and the top two were already off the table. So I have him at number four headed to the Colts. Yeah, Mike. And with Levis, he is uh, – I think he's going to be the guy that breaks the mold for Indy and is the – he's the first quarterback that they draft in the first round since Andrew Luck. And I agree with you. I've got, I've got Levis going to Indy myself. and. Prior to last season, there's a lot of talk where Will Levis was could have been the number one overall quarterback, but his supporting cast, he lost a lot of his supporting cast at Kentucky for the 2022 season. So naturally his steps or his uh, stats just regressed a little bit from the 2021 season. But yeah, he's a big body quarterback. He has some mobility. He's kind of like a Josh Allen where if things start to break down, he has enough athleticism where he can bust out that 10 to 12 yard scramble. You look at a guy like Stane, uh, Shane Steiden, the he was the Eagles offensive coordinator last year, now being the head coach, uh, Steve Steichen, excuse me. Um, I can see him taking the lessons learned from a Jalen Hurts. And if you've got a guy with some ounce of mobility, which I think Will Levis does, I think that he can work with that and really form a weapon at quarterback. And I feel like Will Levis, despite the Colts being a bit of a joke the past few seasons, I feel like he could be walking into this 
Second best situation, I would take Indy over Houston all day long if I was a prospective quarterback. And I thought Jeff Levis, Saturday as the coach. <laughs> right. I could see love. I could see Levis having a nice year. I I like your instance with Jalen or, or not Jalen Hurts. I'm sorry, Josh Allen. Because Josh did not start out too hot his first two years, but you could see the potential. And then all of a sudden, he started really shaping up at the end of the second year and really started putting stuff together. The yeah, and and you look at Josh Allen also, his last year at Wyoming, it was the same thing where he lost a lot of his supporting cast that kind of got him on the map to begin with. And he had to force a lot of, he had to force a lot of throws. And he was looked at as kind of a raw prospect. And that's kind of how Will Levis is being looked at as well. So, Mike, we've had three quarterbacks go off the board in the top four. Does the trend continue at number five? No. No. We're going to switch things up here. At number five, the Seahawks are picking Bijan Robinson, running back oh. in Texas. Oh, at five? At five. Oh, I feel sick for the city of Seattle with you even suggesting that. But go on. They're taking him. They just got rid of um, um, Rashad Penny. Yep, Rashad Penny. They need another, you know, good back to help out our boy Kenneth Walker from uh, Michigan State. They need somebody to help him in the backfield. They saw what they could do with him last year. They did not have a good one-two combo at all. It was the one-two combo was let's see if Gino can scramble and get the ball to Kenneth. Rashad Penny was not utilized very much last year. If they can get, I think Bijan Robinson's the best running back in the draft. I think the Seahawks are going to come in, sneak in, and grab him for running back fifth pick. And I know I have him higher, but looking at the Seattle Seahawks, I think that's really, I don't even think, I know that's one of their just most flawed spots as a team is having a good one-two punch because they've seen it before. They don't have it now, and I think they want it back. So I got Pete Carroll is going to be coming in there, taking his darts off, giving him a hug. He's going to Seahawks. There is no way an NFL organization, two consecutive year or yeah, two consecutive years, spends a high draft pick on a running back. It's just not. That's just not going to happen, Mike. So at number five. Let me preface this by saying, Mike and I, correct me if I'm wrong, Mike, were we both very happy for Geno Smith getting his deal? Oh, yeah. Extension with Seattle. And what a great deal. Nothing to bitch about. He wasn't yeah, a nice, about it. Just a good little a nice, cherry on the top. A nice retirement package for which, what most likely is going to be his last major deal. Yes. But what else did I say about that contract? Got room? What do you mean? That contract is very front loaded. Oh yeah, he's going to get his money early, giving this giving Seattle flexibility after year one. If you're about to say a quarterback, just hop off the podcast. Well, Mike, at number five, out of Florida, the oh. Seattle Seahawks select quarterback Anthony Richardson. 
So I want to pause you really quick. I had a toss up at the Colts with Will or Anthony, but I wanted to go Will. So I did have Anthony going. I just want to side note you because how I did say too, I don't know if I could see him really going top 10. One of these, one either Will or Anthony are going to be falling to the between uh, 11 through 20. But carry on. I want. I really want to know why you have him going to the Seahawks. So Anthony Richardson, he probably is the most athletic quarterback in the draft. Unfortunately, he for him, he is very, very, very raw. He is more of just an athlete than a quarterback. For throws under 10 yards, he had some of the worst the worst statistics in college football last season. He could throw a sweet deep ball, but just the dink and dunk stuff, he was not good. Well, I can throw a sweet deep ball. Bruh. Okay, I'm just going to disregard that comment. <laughs> With that being said, Look at the amount of success that Seattle had with Russell Wilson drafting him third round and then grooming him and realizing, hey, this guy is a dude and starting him right off the bat. I think Anthony Richardson can become that type of quarterback where he's an RPO type player, but I think Pete Carroll, and I'm not, I don't advocate this. I don't advocate drafting a player this high up where he's going to sit on the bench. But Seattle has a nice bit of draft capital. I don't want to say they have a pick to burn, but they honestly, they have a pick to burn. And I think what they'll do is they're going to take Richardson. Gino's deal is structured in a way where he's going to get paid this year. He can act as kind of that mentor. I think Geno's going to have another nice year just with the way Seattle's roster is shaping up. But I think next season you'll start to hear that, hey, you know, the starting quarterback position is open. And if Geno starts to slip, Richardson having a year in the system, a year of watching NFL, NFL football from the sideline, going through film each week, I could see him becoming that transition quarterback or transitioning to the starting quarterback role during the 2024 season and really Pete Carroll, just letting the RPO play style just come to fruition. I do not see that many quarterbacks going right off the rip. Well, I don't have any, that's it. I'll tell you right now, I'm done with quarterbacks for a long time. I hope so, Kyle. So, with that, I'll do my big hitter. For all you Lions fans out there, I got Will Anderson. We've already spoke on his stats. I have Will Anderson, linebacker, Alabama, headed to the Lions. Lions fans, if Pick you like six. me and this happens, fully torqued. Fully torqued. That meme where the guy is rubbing his hands along down his face, that would be me. If the line, if Will Anderson fell to the Lions six, dude, it would it would be honestly crazy. You take Will Anderson, line him up with Aiden Hutchinson. You wouldn't even need to roll a secondary out there. You could pull fans out of the stands because they're going to get to the quarterback. They're going to cause pressure. It would be simply incredible. So who do you then? Who do you got after this? 
Ben, what what do you, who do you got? All right. Say? Well, well, if my dream scenario doesn't play out and Will Anderson is not available at six, I have Detroit taking a uh, defensive tackle, Jalen Carter out of Georgia. We know Jalen's stock has kind of fallen since that incident that took place that took the life of a Stafford down at Georgia. And Detroit does not have a history of drafting people with question marks on their records, but Brad Holmes kind of shook that narrative and said, Hey, we're not, we're not out here drafting good guys. We're out here, you know, we're drafting players that fit our scheme and they had the villain shirt on. Well, if you're going to be about that mentality, then Jalen Carter is going to be the guy. He's, he's another good compliment to Aiden on that front. And he's got a little bit more of a refined pass, pass rush where Aiden came in and kind of just relied strictly on power and bull rushing and not so much, uh, you know, finesse and spin moves. Jalen comes in. I think he's a little more refined off the bat and he's got, he's got a variety of moves that he can roll out. He doesn't just rely solely on power and you pair that with a line that has some other young talent with James Houston or a front with talent like James Houston, you know, Carter is going to have some one-on-one looks because Aiden's going to see some double teams and Houston's probably going to see some double teams. So Carter's going to have some looks. So between the three of them, they're really, I think, Drafting another defensive lineman that high is really going to create a problem for the opposing offenses. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I just can't get over. It. Do what, you what? think? Because Mike, he, we, he was talked about as a potential top three pick. How do you see him dropping even further just because of these legal issues that he is facing? Yes. Nobody wants to put up with that. Nobody. Well, see, but there's a there's a thing. If you're confident in your locker room, you can say, hey, you know, this guy's got talent and we've got a system that we can surround him with and we can get him on the straight and narrow. I think there's a lot there's a lot of teams that draft bad dudes all the time with that mentality. And I don't see this being any different. Just to kind of double back, he mentioned that he has been that he's only going to interview teams with top 10 picks. So that kind of tells you either a team in the top 10 has promised him that, hey, if you fall to us, you're going to be taken by us. Because otherwise, you don't make that kind of a statement when you have not even been drafted by a team yet. So I feel like him being in the top 10 is a definite lock. Why do you have him as so definite? Just the raw talent. I mean, last year... Six, uh, 32 total tackles, 16 solo, 16 assisted, three sacks. But the thing was, those numbers don't jump off, jump out of the screen at you, Mike. But it's he was facing double teams all season long. I mean, offenses gave him that much respect that, hey, you know what? No kidding. We've got to double team this guy or he's going to blow us up. So you just take that. The talent is there. And I look at a situation like Detroit, I could see them taking him in because Dan Campbell is a locker room coach. The players want to play for him. That whole staff, it's all about 
for the love of football. He's a no and bullshit coach though, too. Exactly. So I think you can be like, I think they can just take Jalen in and be like, son, listen, you know, we're giving you a shot. There's no guarantees in this league. And again, Mike, he's still going to be on a rookie deal. Now it would be disappointing if they end up, if it doesn't work out and they waste another high draft pick on a player that they don't keep through their rookie deal. Oh, like but, Jeff Okuda. Ex- yes, exactly. But I just think the ta- the talent is there. And te- like I said, there's a lot of bad dudes that play in the NFL and their teams are able to get through their off field issues and, you know, leverage them and have them channel that aggression out on the field and use it to their advantage. Jalen Carter, I think of the players that are remaining, at least on my uh, board, Jalen Carter is the best player available and he fits what the lions are trying to build as far as a dominant defensive front. Another reason, another reason why I don't have Jalen Carter also is because almost half the people that I've seen even do mock drafts, ESPN, everything had him there. And I just, I can't get over the thing of, I think Dan Campbell's going to be like, I'd rather break in an individual that wants to be here, that knows his place, that's humble, that's hungry to come in other than this fucking guy. That already has all these allegations, stuff looking at him, all this stuff. I think Dan Campbell's a guy where I'd rather have someone that's going to bring value and a mindset to this team other than someone's just sheer skill. He wants a more well-rounded player that he can build up other than just bringing something to the table that may not work out just because he may have the most piss-poor attitude in the world. But is good for a little bit because they're not, he's not a locker room guy. Okay, Mike. Well, our drafts have <laughs> differed vastly thus far. I like your draft better just for Will Anderson. I'll just say that, but who do you got at number seven? Oh, you made a comment. No, I, no, 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 no. You made a comment earlier. Who do you have at number seven? And okay. So I will tell you that the Raiders are sociopaths and <laughs> They just pick people that have like a third round projection. They'll take fifth overall. I did some thinking. I told Mike, I'm like, Mike, I'm not even going to attempt to guess what the Raiders are going to do. But then I'm like, you know what? No, that's a cop out. So I look back at the Raiders draft history. And one thing, Mike, I will say this. I'm going to, I'm going to quiz you here. What is one thing the Raiders Mark Davis, Al Davis, they always seem to be obsessed with when they draft a player. I'm gonna see. I'm gonna see if you know this offhand, and if you don't, I don't blame you. Criminal history. Okay, on a serious note, Mike, not criminal history. Um, I do not. So the Raiders typically, if you go back, they draft players that are fast. They love speedsters at every position. So with that being said, at number seven, and this actually could be a functional pick because this player has been projected in the top eight in most mock drafts. Linebacker out of Texas Tech, Tyree Wilson. Mike, this guy's guy's a burner. Okay. 
played in t- played in the Big 12. You know the Big 12. There's a lot of speed in the Big 12. And his pressure rate, really high, per- really high pressure rate against quarterbacks. And you look at the type of quarterbacks that he would be facing in the AFC West, whether it be Mahomes, whether it be Herbert, whether it be um, Russell Wilson, those guys like to scramble. And if you can, if you can pressure those guys and really get after them, you can force mistakes and they need, they, if the Raiders want to be competitive, they need a guy that can pressure the quarterback because all of those quarterbacks in the AFC West, they can pick you apart from the pocket. You've got, we know that Mahomes and Wilson, they're good when they're scrambling, but you know what? They're better when they're in the pocket. So if you get a pressure guy like that, a speed rusher like Tyree Wilson, he could do he could do a lot of good for the Las Vegas Raiders. And I have him going number seven. Number seven to the Raiders. We have a gentleman from Northwestern. Oh, Peter Skronsky. Yes. They need not somebody a, to... Pr- not a bad pick, Mike. Explain yourself. I have them going higher than people project, but the Raiders need an offensive tackle to protect their sweetie pie, Jimmy G. They need someone in there to protect them. I mean, here's an interesting fact for you. Uh, he's the grandson of Bob Skaronsky, who was the captain on Vince Lombardi's five NFL championship teams. He comes from oh, greatness. So, uh- <laughs> oh, I yeah. He just had to get a. He had to get the Packers in. So Packers uh, can't go. Can't go a podcast without bringing him up once. He's he's gonna go there. He's been great. His his combine stats were great. I mean, forty yard dash five point one, ten yard shuffle one point seven five. He's got a decent vertical jump, 30 reps on the bench press. I mean, he's good. I could yeah. see them going there. They need that person. They have a couple key players everywhere else. The Raiders do that. You know, they got running back quarterback, got some wide receivers and corners. They really don't have a good O-line. Derek Carr got beat the hell up. They're bringing in some fresh meat that's had decent O-lines where he's played. Why not go get him a good, solid guy? Sign him to a decent rookie contract. Yeah, being, he'll he'll get the four year deal with an option for a fifth, and bring him in to protect him. So I got him. I got him going to the Raiders for uh, number seven. Now, Mike, I will say your logic is perfectly sound, and I think that would be a very good pick for the Raiders. Did I throw you off guard? But you, well, see, that's the thing is you're thinking like a, a logical person, which the Raiders do not do when it comes to drafting. <laughs> so while your pick sounds good, I think my pick sounds good. But you and I pick, both know they're not going to draft either. They're not drafting either of those they're guys. Gonna, they're going to pick up John Gruden for the seventh round pick. They'll probably pick up like uh, Hayden Hooker out of Tennessee. <laughs> another quarterback just yeah, because know. why not Hendon hooker i'm excuse me okay <laughs> let me lead into eight because okay. we've already covered him he was okay your seventh so it's pick. different than what i have he was your seventh pick okay 
We got Tyree Wilson going there. Don't need to touch on him too much. I just think that the Falcons need someone to put some heat on. He's definitely the guy to do it. Mostly the same reasons that you just listed. It's a good common sense pickup if he falls down to the Falcons. They need that heat on on the defense, and he's definitely yeah. the guy to do it. He's fast. Exactly. He's and you, so and you fast. look at the you look at the quarterbacks he's going to be facing. Grant, granted, just taking away whoever Carolina drafts, he's going to have some favorable looks, whether it be Derek Carr, whether it be whoever Tampa Bay rolls out at quarterback. He's going yeah, to be fucking that's... terrifying. 6'6", 275, freak, freight yeah, train. He'll be able, he would be able to make an immediate impact at the Falcons, and I like that pick. I've got a similar pick. Kind of the same mindset uh, as far as getting after the quarterback and being a strong defensive uh, presence. Uh, I've got at number eight, Atlanta Falcons taking quarterback Devin Witherspoon out of Illinois. Now, Devin, Devin is probably the top cornerback prospect in the draft. I think you had Gonzalez going in the top three, which I just don't see. A lot of drafts have Witherspoon being the top overall cornerback. And I would kind of agree with that assessment at Illinois. He was, he was part of a defense that just shut teams down. And when teams were not throwing, throwing on his side of the field, or if they're running the ball, he would be one of the first guys to dive in and help the old, uh, the D line out as far as trying to get after the running back. But Mike, let me just put up a number, a couple stats for you. Illinois ran 75% of their defense in man coverage. And with that, so there's 130 odd teams in the NCAA. Where do you think they ranked knowing that they ran 75% game, 75% man defense in the game? Where do you think they ranked as far as points per game allowed? Eighth. Nope. They're number one, 12.3 points per game. How about yards allowed, Mike? Where were they ranked? Number two. You're right. Number two, 263 yards a game. So you've got a cornerback that's used to playing in man. And yet they're shutting down opponents like that. So you're not going to do that with bum quarterbacks. So with a spoon out of Illinois, he's got the number one guy mentality. He's a, as you like to say, and as Pat McAfee likes to say, dog. <laughs> yeah, he's an aggressive guy. He's fast. And Atlanta always kind of you look back at some of their quarterback history, they get shorter cornerbacks, Witherspoon being right around six foot, I believe. So I could see them keeping up with this trend. And again, Witherspoon going to a weak NFC South when it comes to quarterback play. He could have himself a season. He could put up Sauce Gardner type numbers. Now I'm not now let me say I don't think he's the level of player that Sauce Gardner is, but you look at the opponents that he's facing, I think he's has the opportunity to kind of elevate his numbers to potentially rookie of the year stats just due to the fact of the low level quarter, quarterback play that he's going to be facing. So with that being said, I like Witherspoon at eight to Atlanta. I think it's a natural fit. They need another cornerback. Witherspoon of the Falcons, Mike. I 
I think I'm going to throw another curveball at you here for the Bears at pick number nine that I hope you don't have, but it's going to make so, so much sense. Harris Johnson I... Jr., offensive tackle, Ohio State. What are you, did, did you see that one coming? Oh, I've got enough. I've got an offensive tackle going to the Bears as well. So I, I understand the position. So explain the player, Mike. So I got Paris Johnson, 6'6", 310 pounds, freight train. He's done great for Mr. C.J. Stroud, really held things down. And just a stat for our fans out there listening, Justin Fields has been pressured 50.3% of his dropbacks last season. That's the highest rate of among all quarterbacks with at least 100 dropbacks. Daniel Jones was second. So this is a huge key, key player for the Bears to pick up. The first spot they need to do is how to protect our franchise quarterback that they've invested so much in at Justin Fields. And you do it by drafting Mr. Paris Johnson Jr., 6'6", 310 pound. He's a junior. He's played enough. He's played under C.J. Stroud almost his whole career. He's had to protect him. Look at what CJ can do at a quarterback. Let's see what he can do for Justin Fields. Yeah, Mike, I don't hate that pick. I've actually got the guy that you mentioned going to the Raiders. I've got Peter Skronsky, offensive tackle out of Northwestern. And I think this is kind of a logical fit for the Bears. You've got the, he played at Northwestern, so he played right down the street from Soldier Field. He's He's from the state of Illinois. And I agree. Justin Fields needs to be protected. The, Chicago, that's their, that's their franchise quarterback. And he looks like he could be a darn good franchise quarterback for years to come. So, yeah, protect that asset. Looking at Peter Skronsky's stats, he had um, Ryan Holinsky at quarterback last year, who was a statue in the pocket. So, with that being said, not having a mobile quarterback, Skronsky only gave up three quarterback hurries, two quarterback hits, and one sack all season while playing at left tackle. So you've got a guy who basically is in a coffin, can't move, and Skronsky only gave up those three hurries, two hits, one sack. So he's got a – now he's got a mobile quarterback to work with one that can get himself out of trouble. I mean, Skronsky, with that being said, you know, he is a little weak when he, when it comes to a pure run, you know, running offensive line, setting the line. He's more of a pass protector, but Fields is a talented enough quarterback where any shortcoming that Skronsky has on that front he'll be able to cover for it. Justin Fields' athleticism will be able to cover for it. So I've got Skronsky, Illinois guy, Northwestern guy, sticking in the greater Chicago area, going to the Bears at nine. Plus, he's got greatness in his veins. From his his loins, his family tree, his greatness. Now, this one might hurt your medulla oblongata a little bit. Pick number 10. Hold on, Mike. We I hold before we've got one. We've got we agree on one pick so far, and this is the last pick of this episode. 
I want to see if we're if we're going to make it two for ten or if we are on completely separate wavelengths here. We're on different. We're on separate wavelengths. I wouldn't be so sure. I, I got a feeling. I got a feeling we might be on the same page with this one. So who you got for number ten going to the Eagles? Well, his his the guy he's filling his position for just went to the Lions a couple weeks ago. Okay, so we have different players. Yeah. Well, I know he he didn't play that exact spot, but I got Brian Branch, safety, Alabama. Going to the Eagles. They're going to help out a little bit more with the deep threat. I think he's the number one safety in the draft. The Eagles shown they need help in their secondary. They lost a ton in their secondary. Yeah, tons. Huge. Brian's Alabama been holding it down. We all know Alabama's coaching staff, everything. It's all great. Solo tackles 58 at 32 assists. Three sacks, two interceptions. Bro, he's going to the Eagles. They're going to make another Super Bowl push with him. I think you find instant success, instant with Brian. And it's not necessarily, he's, you know, he's going to get your interceptions. I mean, he still did, did get two last year, but he is such a great cover guy and he showed it in his last two years. With 34 solo tackles coming in 2021 with 21 assists, you can just see how gradually he keeps getting better. And this is going to keep the Eagles secondary at bay until they can, you know, get a couple more later picks or come and grab some other people later on. Brian Branch is going to be the key person for Eagle success next year. Yeah, that and that's a logical choice with him replacing uh, CJ Gardner Johnson. Um, I have the Eagles going defense as well, but I, and I thought about putting branch there, honestly, but I ended up going with another player who will be replacing a staple of the Eagles defense in Fletcher Cox in number 10. I've got the Eagles taking miles Murphy edge rusher out of Clemson. And like I said, Mike Fletcher Cox out the door and they need a an impact player on day one to replace Fletcher. And Miles Murphy can be that guy. He sets a strong edge. He's a run stopper. And he'll be a run stopper from day one while he refines his pass rushing techniques. He's got a 35-inch vertical, a 4-5-40. I mean, he's an, he's an athletic, athletic guy playing defensive end. Uh, Last year at Clemson, he had 40 total tackles, uh, six and a half sacks, one forced fumble. He just seems like a guy that would be a logical replacement for Fletcher Cox. He's got the stats to back it up. He produced at 2021. He had very similar numbers. He had seven sacks, one forced fumble, 37 tackles, and he had 38 the year before. So you got a year, years with. 40, 37, and 38 total tackles. Oh, and, and this even guy's 20- a, he's, a, he, he's a game wrecker. And like I said, he's a little raw when it comes to the pass, the pass rush. But from, from a run-stopping standpoint, which we know teams in the NFC East like to do, he's going to be a day-one impact player off the bat. 
And I, I just wanted to touch on this too. I know his tackles and solo tackles and everything fell in 2020, but so well, what he was his first year starting. I know, but what he flawed there, he made up in forced fumbles. Yeah, like three, yeah, three three force force fumbles his first year starting for the uh, Tigers. And then, you know, he didn't have that the next year, but I'd be totally fine with you grabbing me three more sacks than you had the year before. And then still kept that same juice running into the year after with more total tackles, but about the same amount, you know, he had, he had a half a sack left, but he was still in there. Yeah. And arguably his, his, again, his surrounding cast, it kind of was depleted in 2022. And yet he maintained that high level of play. So I think he's a logical choice for the Eagles at number 10. It is a good pick. It's a good pick. And I, I've I've enjoyed our draft conversation. And I, I know this is going to hurt you, but all of mine are correct, Kyle. I don't know how you feel about yours, but mine are all right. Well, Mike, I hate to break it to you, but when you look at mock drafts as a whole, the analysts on average get about three picks correct in the first round. So... And usually average. one of them is that usually one of them is the first the number one overall pick. One and two are usually no brainers. So I wouldn't bet the mortgage on any of these picks. Now, again, Will Anderson to the Lions. Oh. <laughs> oh, I would talk, love that. Talk dirty to me. Exactly. But uh I guess we'll just as we kind of wrap this thing up, we'll go through our top tens once again. Rapid fire, just to wrap this thing up. So number one, I've got Carolina taking quarterback Bryce Young. I got C.J. Stroud going to Houston. Will Anderson at three going to Arizona. We've got Mike and I both have Will Levis at number four going to Indianapolis. Number five, I've got Anthony Richardson. Six, Jalen Carter. Seven, Tyree Wilson. Eight, Devin Witherspoon. Nine, Peter Skaronsky. And number 10, Miles Murphy. Going to Philadelphia. And I have Panthers, CJ Stroud, number one. Texans, Bryce Young, number two. Cardinals, Christian Gonzalez, cornerback, number three. Colts, everybody knows. Seahawks, B. John Robinson, running back. Lions, Will Anderson. Raiders, oh. <laughs> Raiders Peter Skaronsky. Falcons, Tyree Wilson. Bears, Paris Johnson Jr., and Eagles, Brian Branch. And before we finish up this podcast, we did have some huge news this week that I do have to touch on. And I'm tired of sounding like a broken record about Lamar Jackson, so we're just going to park that. But Odell Beckham Jr., one-year deal to the Ravens, $18 million, $15 million guaranteed for Mr. Two-Time MC ACL tearing wide receiver. Don't see where he's worth that money, but I'm congratulations that he got the bag. He'll be good for the locker room. He can teach some players, but I can just not even come close to fathom. And if I was Lamar, I'd be gritting my teeth a little bit happy because your boy's here, but... Just another guy almost getting a fully guaranteed contract. That's nothing to shake your finger at either. Because for what is he, 32 years old, Kyle? I think. Yeah, 32. Sounds right. Yeah. With the injuries and bouncing around the teams, 
I can't see him playing at a high caliber for the whole year. I think you're going to get seven solid games out of there. He's going to be laughing his way out of the Ravens organization, buying a couple more Lamborghinis at the end of the year. I don't understand what the Ravens exactly are trying to do here. Because it seems like it seems like there's a divide between the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. We know there's a divide. I don't know if this is a move that they're trying to appease Lamar or what, because if I'm Odell, I would have no interest in Lamar Jackson throwing me the ball like this. This just doesn't feel right to me that I saw the signing. I couldn't really make sense of it. Now, if this, now if, the Ravens were the only team that were that was offering Odell the bag. Then you know what? God bless. Take the money. But this just we're going I to a know. broken. It feels it feels forced, Mike. Like I I saw that, and honestly, if you'd have asked me, like the five team, like prior to Odell signing anywhere, if you'd have asked me, like the top five teams where I think Odell wouldn't have ended up. I think I honestly probably would have named the Ravens as one of those one of those teams. Oh yeah, I didn't even have. I don't think I had him in my top ten spot of where uh, the Ravens being there for him. And if you're trying to get stuff, I think I think OBJ just wants some money, man. Because why are you going to try to rebuild, get your career back? Because I know he's hunting down that two three million dollar deal somewhere. He's hunting it down. He doesn't want to be a floater. Why are you going to a broken organization? Yeah, because I don't think the Ravens are contending for anything this year. No, especially with a quarterback running or running the bench. I might be throwing a quarterback in. Old Tennessee's boy is going to be going to the Ravens. I don't know. Because I just, I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't get it. But we're not going to talk about the Ravens this one, really, because... I don't have much to say on that. Yeah, it's a strange signing. I'll be interested to see how that plays out throughout the year. Because, you know, Mike, you know what would be cool? Is we had the Arizona Cardinals on Hard Knocks last year. Hard Knocks in season. You get Lamar looking, looking for a contract. You got John Harbaugh. And you've got OBJ. Mike, that's primetime television. That's that has the potential to really have a lot of drama in that facility. And the Ravens right now, the check engine light is on, is on in that organization. But I could see if things start to go sideways and Lamar, in fact, does play. I could see that becoming a nuclear meltdown. Oh, it'd be like watching the Real Housewives of Baltimore. It would exactly. Exactly. That's just there's too there's too much attitude in that room. And I know OBJ's mellowed out throughout his years. He kind of knows where he's at in his career. But even so, he's going to get frustrated because Lamar's not going to get him the ball in any capacity in which he desires. You look at Lamar and Marquise Brown. Those guys were buddies and Marquise went to the Ravens and he played there and he's like, screw it. I'm leaving because Lamar sucks. He's a bum. And there that's, that's a friend of his and he's making a business decision and OBJ's going there. He's getting the bag. That's probably the mindset, you know, and I like OBJ. at some point, his, at some point his pride is going to, 
sink in and he's going to be like, you know, I made the decision to come here and you're not getting me the ball. And it's just, man, I can see this like week 12. I could see this thing just falling apart. Oh yeah. Cause he's going there. He wants the ball. As I said, he's trying to go out and get that two, three year contract get solidified with the team again after the giants whole situation that fell through and you're not, it's, it's not happening with that organization right right now. Yeah. We'll, we'll watch that one from afar because if you get too close, you might get caught up by some debris flying. (laughs) But with that being said, next week we've got picks 11 through 21. I'm sure Mike and I will differ greatly essentially since he has a bunch of mid first rounders going in the top 10. But with that being said, thanks for listening. Make sure you guys give a like, subscribe, follow, whatever your social media of choice goes by. And we we will talk to you again next week. Until then, see you later.